This podcast was sponsored by Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services. Baba Sobers Wealth Management works with physicians, medical practices, and hospitals, providing comprehensive wealth management services for individuals and institutions. Visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC. This episode is brought to you by the Arizona Department of Health Services. Go to adhs.gov or to learn more about substance use disorder, check out azhealth.gov slash hopeheals. Hi, my name is Dr. Monica Faria. I am board certified in general and addiction psychiatrist and an MCMS member. Welcome to today's podcast. We have an opportunity to align the primary care physician and support them with technology and resource to manage overall population. So instead of looking at just a transactional fee-for-service model, you see a patient get paid, looking at how we can really take charge to change the outcomes and improve the outcomes and improve the member patient experience overall. Welcome to today's episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. I'm Edward Araujo, Managing Editor of Arizona Physician Magazine, and your host for this episode. Today, our discussion will center around cardiac electrophysiology, a subspecialty of cardiology and primary care value-based care. We are joined by Kishle Anand, MD, MS, FHRS, a board-certified cardiologist and cardiac electrophysiologist with over 15 years of experience. Dr. Anand graduated from the All India Institute of Medical Sciences in New Delhi, India. He also earned a master's degree in epidemiology at Columbia University, New York, and went on to complete an internal medicine residency and cardiology fellowship at Creighton University in Nebraska, followed by a cardiac electrophysiology fellowship at the University of California, San Diego. He is currently president of Apricus Health and works at Peak Heart and Vascular. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Anand. Thank you, Edward, so much for having me with you today. Can we start by uh, you sharing with our listeners how cardiac electrophysiology is a subspecialty of cardiology? Edward, as you know, medicine has progressed significantly over the last several decades. And uh, just like in, when you have a house, you have a structure, mm-hmm. you have plumbing, you have an electrical system. And similarly, in terms of heart as an organ, has basically vascular supply, which we call in my you know, common term, we can call plumbing. Mm-hmm. And similarly, similarly, for heart as a beating organ, there's an electrical system. So there's a sinus node in the right upper chamber, which creates the heart impulse. And then the impulse travels and makes the muscle activate, which makes the heart going. So mm-hmm. the specialty of uh, cardiac electrophysiology has been around for a few decades, but definitely over the, I would say, last 15, 20 years, it has been become more prominent and focuses on basically fixing electrical misfunctions of the heart, like cardiac arrhythmias. And a lot of people are born with uh, cardiac electrical abnormality. Some of us develop as we age, there's a degenerative process which leads to certain electrical wiring within the heart going haywire, requiring help from cardiac electrophysiologist. So why is it important and why is it so needed? Uh, that's a great question. So as I said, to make heart work, you need the heart electrical system to be active. Mm-hmm. And def- definitely, you know, as you saw with the advent of pacemaker, we found a cure. So before 
people heart would stop and they would die and as you know one of the the most common cause of uh, death is sudden cardiac death and mm-hmm. that would be either and that's mostly due to electrical malfunction whether it's significant bradycardia or heart not working or significant arrhythmia like ventricular tachycardia ventricular fibrillation so as our understanding of the heart rhythm has grown over the last few decades we have found cures whether it's, it's in term of device therapy things like pacemaker cardiac defibrillator implant or more recently cardiac resynchronization therapy which allows people with weak heart or heart failure to basically improve their heart function and similarly the other area outside device therapy is cardiac ablation which basically is one of the few areas where you can find curative technology to cure certain heart rhythm conditions like people with SVT or supraventricular tachycardia these are cardiac rhythm disturbances which you can cure by doing radio frequency ablation and these procedures again have become now more routine outpatient people come and typical symptoms which people present with these are palpitations passing out lightheadedness and uh, definitely as i said as our science has evolved understanding has evolved we have been able to find both device therapy as well as cardiac ablation therapies to basically fix this rhythm and that's what has led to people with even heart failure who used to die early now able to survive and people who used to have more risk of sudden cardiac death are able to basically be alive and in front of us because they have therapies like cardiac defibrillator or ventricular tachycardia ablation available to them. I see. So um, how can the electrical pathways of the heart be disturbed to the point that they lead to a heart attack? So again, heart attack is a you know common uh, phrase, just like fever. There could be multiple uh, etiology which could lead present as a fever. And similarly, when you say heart attack, so the typical heart attack which we see is because of plumbing issue, which is basically there's a sudden disruption of a plaque within the arterial supply of the heart leading to blockage, which leads to basically a, a sudden cardiac arrhythmias for, and le- leading to sudden death. But also in terms of the electrical abnormality, as I said, people are, young athletes are prone to something called hypertrophic cardiomyopathy, which mm. can basically lead to abnormal functioning of the heart. And a heart, as you know, is, is basically beating every second to six, you know, roughly, you know, 60 beats a minute on average. And mm-hmm. to make the heart beat, there's a, a area called sinus node. These cells in sinus node are very unique in that they have the capability to basically create an electrical stimulus, which is very unique in overall body. And that electrical stimulus basically traverses through the muscle and specialized wiring in the heart to bring from the upper chamber of the heart to the lower chamber and making the four chambers of the heart work in sync, which basically leads to a functional blood supply to the whole body. And as you know, heart is the pump, which basically makes the blood circulate all across. And that's because of the sinus node and the electrical system, mm-hmm. which supports heart to be hard to really function optimally. If they go haywire, if they're not working, then 
if the one part of the heart is not communicating to the other part of the heart then again heart is not working in sync is not working optimally and if heart goes you know out if starts going beating too fast then it does not have enough time to fill in and that leads to sudden decline in blood pressure and people passing out and that's why some of the people with ventricular tachycardia ventricular fibrillation when heart starts going too fast over 250 beats or so it's just fibrillating just shaking it's not really doing wow. physiologic function and that leads to people basically dying suddenly so there's a bunch of uh, arrhythmia related conditions from something very simple like a PACs where you feel extra flip-flop in your heart, which all of us at some point feel, to something mm -hmm. simple palpitations which you feel after extra caffeinated drink, to basically these life-threatening conditions which could be associated with either a structural issue in the heart where something like cardiomyopathy could be leading to arrhythmias or just could be an unique electrical problem of the heart where the electrical system is not working. Heart could be structurally normal, but just the electrical system is haywire. So how can you fix those electrical problems? As I said, there are two primary therapies which we use. One is called device therapy. So depending on different types of, there are, you know, there are three primary device therapy which we use commonly. One is pacemaker. So people with who have weak heartbeat meaning the there's what we call heart block the upper chamber beats are not coming down to the lower chamber then we are we are able to use put wires in the heart and use a pacemaker to sync up the heart and make it work some people the sinus node which is the pacemaker center of the heart starts aging and starts declining and their heartbeat may go down to 20 to 30 beats and they'll come to ed with uh, basically by, by passing or feeling really weak and in that case, once we implant pacemaker, the heart starts working back at optimal number and they are much more functional. They feel more energy. They don't pass out. So these are common things which you'll see in day to day within our population where people would be coming, seeking to the emergency care with the heart not working optimally. So we can fix that with pacemaker. There are times when people who have either a, a structural heart disease like cardiomyopathy or have heart failure and they are predisposed to heart going in fast rhythm called ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. And that's why you see these defibrillator around. So American Heart Association has done an excellent job in terms of CPR education and also education regarding the utility of cardiac defibrillation in people with sudden cardiac death. So now that technology has evolved where we can really put people who are prone to that, we can put an implant technology underneath their skin, which goes to the heart. And if the that defibrillator senses that person is going in a ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation and they are not the heart is not optimally working, it can basically shock the heart and put it back, bring bring them back. It's mm -hmm. basically today I see my patients every week in clinic. And if they did not have that device, they won't be in front of me. The device is life-saving. It has literally wow. brought them back from death. So there are multiple patients we'll see, as I said, on a monthly basis. The only reason they are in front of me is because they have that cardiac defibrillator. And the third device, which I ex explained is a biventricular device, which basically makes the people with weak heart, makes their heart work in sync makes it more efficient gives them more energy more breath and improves their heart function overall so that's one category of 
you know, therapies with the devices. The other category of therapies through cardiac ablation, whether radiofrequency or cryo, and there, if there's a short circuit in the in heart, or if there's an extra, if there's a group of cells which have become a rebel and are throwing misbeats, we can target those with cardiac mapping to localize whether these extra impulses are coming from or where the short circuit is, and we can cauterize that tissue to fix it. And as okay. I said, these procedures are curative. Once done, for most, for majority of people with SVT, that's over 98% success rate. Wow. Okay. Dr. Anand, you know, not all our listeners are physicians. Um, for the public, can you share with us the difference between cardiac arrest and heart attack? Heart attack is commonly used for what we call myocardial infarction, which is when the as we age, there are plaques which basically develop within our arterial supply of the heart. And if some of these plaques rupture, there's sudden occlusion to the blood supply. And basically, the distal blood supply to the rest of the heart gets stopped. So heart, basically tissue or muscles, because they don't get blood supply, they start getting lack of oxygen, start dying. And that's called myocardial infarction in our technical term, and more commonly labeled as heart attack. That's the phrase. But again, these could be, (laughs) these are the common, as I said, common perception from people and the clinical word and what's commonly used as a layman are two different terms. Cardiac arrest typically is any etiology which is leading to a person basically passing out suddenly in the, so somebody is at Walmart and just uh, falls off. And that could, that's typically happens because of heart going into bad rhythms. Okay. And so, so, so certain cardiac arrest is typically, you know, it could be triggered by multiple etiology, but end result is heart going into out of rhythm into ventricular tachycardia or ventricular fibrillation. And these people you'll check for their pulse and usually they won't have, a pulse or very, very feeble pulse. And that's when we use cardiac uh, external defibrillator to bring them back and resuscitate them with CPR. I see. Uh, After the break, uh, we'll discuss primary care value-based care and get to some recommendations Dr. Anand has for primary care physicians. Thank you for listening to this episode and please don't forget to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. MICA was founded in 1976 by doctors for doctors and remains the leading provider of medical liability protection in Arizona. MICA is the exclusive provider of coverage for Maricopa County Medical Society. Contact MICA today to learn more about the benefits of being with a physician-led and policyholder-owned insurance company. Call 602-956-5276 or visit our website, mica-insurance.com. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. Today, we are joined by cardiologist, Dr. Kishlay Anand. Let's continue our discussion, Dr. Anand. Regarding physicians and patients, how should physicians forge a relationship with their patients to ensure they are trusted? As you know, the physician-patient relationship is very critical. And I think the biggest challenge which physicians are facing nowadays is Mm -hmm. just spending adequate time with their patients. 
As you know, we have significant shortage of primary care and specialty within our community. Mm-hmm. And that has put a lot of stress on the existing physicians to be able to spend the time with their patients. The advent of EMR has not helped because now definitely when you're seeing a patient, there's a that time you need to talk to them, but mm-hmm. also the time you have to spend documentation. But I think it's in spite of all these challenges, it's very critical as a physician for us to be able to sit down and listen to our patient. That's one thing which we all lack is just the ability to be able to listen. I think that goes a long way in developing that relationship with the patient and just making a little extra effort. As you know, like uh, healthcare is very different. I, I feel that healthcare is not a computer science or technology business. Mm-hmm. Humans are, we need a lot of emotional help as well whenever we are seeing and all of us utilize healthcare and if we can make the healthcare experience for our patient a little better it goes a long way so in that terms if as a physician you are able to bring some level of some empathy compassion to the table listen to your patient and are able to spend a little extra time with them that goes a long way in terms of generating that rapport relationship and comfort that's great and and that's one piece I'll recommend for all our all our physicians in the communities is to be able to sit down using the right posture and not feel rushed with their patients. Just I know it's very challenging. It's easy for me to say, but when you're you know you are overbooked and you're running around, it's a big big challenge. But especially on the new patients which which you are seeing, I think it's very critical to spend a little extra time with them. It goes a long way in terms of giving that patient comfort that there's a, somebody who cares for them and is really listening to them. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. What are some recommendations you have for primary care physicians in detecting cardiac symptoms with their patients? Our primary care community here is very you know, progressive and uh, really good in terms of taking care of the community. And typically, it's more like as you know, we try to do continuing medical education with them regarding a simple aspect, EKG. There are certain abnormality on EKG. I think being more familiar with seeing the EKGs, understanding what kind of abnormality, abnormality should trigger a cardiovascular consult goes a long way. In terms of just symptomatology, as you know, atrial fibrillation is a the prevalence in Arizona is, is increasing, especially with our senior population. So symptoms like shortness of breath, lightheadedness, palpitation, these should trigger a cardiovascular consult. And there could be, you know, etiology, which could be supported and made better with timely intervention from a cardiologist. I see. You know, your company, Apricus Health, is physician founded and focuses on primary care. Can you share why you decided to go with a value-based care model? As you know, as a healthcare delivery system, what we have done is focused on sick care. We have focused on procedural care. We basically have created these large, large asset-heavy hospital and rewarded them for that sick care. And traditionally, what we have done really, you know, poor job as a country is promoting wellness and promoting primary care. The primary care has been mm-hmm. shortchanged for several decades now and uh, finally you know for any healthy community uh, involved engaged and proactive primary care is essential and finally with support of medicare and health plans we have an opportunity to align the 
primary care physician and support them with technology and resource to manage overall population. So instead of looking at just a transactional fee-for-service model, you see a patient get paid, looking at how we can really take charge to change the outcomes and improve the outcomes and improve the member patient experience overall. So that's value-based. So as you know, so far, mm-hmm. our current healthcare is in a fee-for-service model where basically you, it's a transaction. You come see a patient, you get paid. There's no onus in terms of quality improvement. There's no onus in terms of long-term outcomes or even simple thing like patient experience or satisfaction. That is changing and there's more onus in terms of uh, aligning the three P's in healthcare, the providers, the patients, and the payers together in a value-based environment where everybody is working towards some aligned goals and Mm -hmm. physicians have incentives to improve outcomes, lower the cost of healthcare delivery. And what Apricus uh, does it, it basically works with independent physicians and brings a unique opportunity and gives them technology support, resource support to create more access for their patients and more high-touch approach and proactive care model. So in traditional model, what we see is a patient may be in in and out of the hospital three, four times before their primary care gets to know it, Mm -hmm. especially, and that's driving healthcare cost high. In our system, with our support, with Care Navigator, our technology, with chronic care management, remote patient monitoring, we bring the, the opportunity of revenue enhancement to the primary care, but also give them tools to create a high-touch approach with especially their sicker patients, patients with multiple chronic conditions in a more proactive way so they can be kept out of hospital, kept at their home, and overall healthcare costs can be brought down with a much better patient engagement as well as experience. I see. Thank you for sharing. I want to thank Dr. Kishleya Nand for joining us today on this episode of the Arizona Physician Podcast. If you're interested in learning more about cardiac electrophysiology or have any questions, concerns, uh, and would like to reach Dr. Anand at Apricus Health, um, you can call 1-844-375-9005, or you can visit their website, apricushealth.com. Finally, we want to thank you for joining us, and we hope you press that subscribe button on whichever platform you enjoy listening to Arizona Physician Podcast. Thank you so much, Edward. Help to create the future of healthcare in Maricopa County, Arizona. Get involved by joining the Maricopa County Medical Society at mcmsonline.com slash join. Thank you for listening to the Arizona Physician Podcast. Does your financial advisor help you pursue what matters most? With so much at stake when it comes to protecting everything you've worked so hard to achieve, it never hurts to get a second opinion about your financial future. At Baba Sobers Wealth Management at UBS Financial Services, our approach starts by understanding your life and what you want to accomplish. Then we work together to create a framework designed to give you the confidence to do what matters most, no matter what the markets are doing. We want to help ensure you have all you need for today, tomorrow, and for generations to come. For more information about Baba Sobers Wealth Management, visit our website at advisors.ubs.com forward slash Baba Sobers WM. We're members of FINRA and SIPC.